I need your prayers. <clears throat> this is a difficult and I guess to some degree complicated thing to present to you. Let's open with prayer. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I'm weak and feeble and lack understanding. Please, as I present uh, your words today, that you would remove all the weakness of the flesh and that the Holy Spirit would intervene. Your words through my fleshly mouth to hearing ears prepared by the Spirit. All of that takes the work of the Spirit to show us the things of light and the things of good. Please answer my prayer. Our only desire is to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. God is love, right? God is also vengeance, full of vengeance and wrath. How, how do we juxtapose or contrast those two things. You offend me, what am I supposed to do? Turn the other cheek, correct? Bless those that curse you and despitefully use you. I, I believe in all those things. They're hard to do it's hard to forgive someone that uh, openly attacks you. But that's what we're supposed to do. On the other hand, that doesn't mean we're supposed to stand by. And that we can't have hatred and vengeance and ask for that on those that oppose God. I'm not talking about common sinners out there. There are people that are not within the church and you'll talk to them and they're just kind of ambivalent. They, it doesn't bother them. They just don't believe like you do. But there are others. You try to share any truth with them. And they hate you for it. <clears throat> I'm greatly disturbed. And this is a short list of things that are going on. Within our school system, the secular side, our children are being groomed for all manner of disgusting things, which I'm not going to mention. You know much of what they are and what they're doing. But in any society, if you want to destroy it, whether you're talking about communism, socialism, doesn't matter what ism it is, the main thing that they know is to make a nation weak, is to separate parents from their children. To ensure that the government is the one that owns them, trains them, and brings them up in the way they see fit. All of which is contrary to what God wants and says that we should do. Amen. School libraries are filled with pornography. Things that you wouldn't have imagined 20 years ago. 
And if you oppose that, you're the person that's in the wrong. You're the one that lacks knowledge. This one's awful. They want to allow children to have operations which, this doesn't even make sense, changed their sex from male to female or female to male. By the way, you can't. You are what you are. I don't care what outward thing you do to it. But to want to have children make the cho- children make the choice for themselves to go in and self-mutilate and many will commit suicide later because they really didn't understand what was going on. They just followed the flow of society and I find that extremely pathetic. Do we have leadership that not only just allows it, they condone it and support it and want it. It's sickening. The training hour. Fentanyl. Disgusting thing this week. We have enough fentanyl being brought across, guess where? The border. That can kill millions upon millions upon millions of people. And more and more coming across every day. How does it get here? Well, we got a leaky southern border system that just doesn't want to control anything. It was brought up this week that they're discussing fentanyl in Congress, and it was brought up that, well, we need to build the wall and strengthen it. And Cory Booker stands up and says, well, these are two separate subjects. No, they're not. <laughs> you can't say you're against the uh, influx or inflow of fentanyl this pe- making people like zombies. And that's destroying literally a hundred thousand people a year. I've mentioned this fairly recently, but this thing continues. You can't say you're for the prosperity and health and welfare of the nation when you allow such things. And there's enough of this drug that comes across the southern border to kill hundreds of millions of people. That's how large the supply is. Our leadership should be there to protect America, to protect all Americans from all forms of evil. That's not what they're for. In fact, they want to say, well, hey, the doors to America are open. We're not going to try to control things. Just come over any way you can. It's okay. And then we're going to send you someplace, give you $2,500, bus you, fly you around America. And we lure 1,500 people or so a year to their death. They never make it. They don't care. They, they, they don't care about human life. Their only desire is to make merchandise of the poor. And it's very clear what they do and what they're doing. They don't care. What they care about is power. Greed, lust, avarice, you name it. You can put this whole thing and list under one thing. They're evil. Sex trafficking and trafficking, not just across the border, but in other ways. Unbelievable. I used to walk to town when I was 10 years old, you know, get on my shorts, t-shirt, and my bicycle, go three miles to town and run around 
Just as a kid, can't do that anymore. Kids aren't safe. This this world is pretty pathetic and sickening. School boards. School boards colluding with the Department of Homeland Security, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the Biden administration. If you want to stand up before a school board, they're going to put you on a terrorist list. Does that make any sense to anybody in this room? Why a parent shouldn't be allowed to say, this is filthy stuff, we don't want that. No. A boy that wants to act like a girl shouldn't be allowed in the bathroom where he commits atrocities that we can't even speak of. And then they're going to hide it. And if you speak up, you're the enemy of the state. It's getting worse and worse by the day. The only good part of this that I can see is, Lord Jesus, come quickly. He's going to get enough eventually and come back. I, yes, I want forgiveness. I want all of God's elect to come to Him in His time and the way that He sees fit. But this topic today, go, to, go ahead and go to Psalms 109. This topic today, this prayer of David, if you read it, it's hard to understand. It's a difficult thing. But he was not asking for forgiveness of his enemies. He's calling for the vengeance of God upon them. There's a time for everything. There's a time to ask for forgiveness and turn the other cheek and so on. There's also a time to stand up for truth and watch right. You can't just go, well, they don't believe the truth, so I'm going to turn the other way. Not when they're consuming our kids. Not when they're so perverted they accept anything. How do you choose? Well, the Holy Spirit will have to lead you. The Holy Spirit leads you to a point of trying to forgive that person, which is usually when it's turned the other cheek, it's kind of individual to individual, or perhaps small group to, an, you know, that kind of thing. But this is not. This is a, a pervasive governmental thing to control people and to absolutely do evil. I'm going to read one verse before we get there. I didn't tell you to turn there, but it's, it's in Isaiah 59, 17. It says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. I want to kind of focus on that word zeal. You can't compromise your zeal for the, for God for his precepts and his truth and condescend to evil. It doesn't work that way. You still have to have the zeal. A little bit of the end before the beginning. We know what the... Put on your armor, right? I'll go through the quick list here. The whole armor of God. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We need to take on that whole armor to be able to withstand. 
the helmet, the shield, all the other garments of warfare. But finally, what do we attack with? I'm holding a sword if you can't imagine. Right? But that's the word. That's truth. If I ask you, who's your enemy? I just want you to take out your your pretend notepad and your pretend pen. You may have a real one in your hand, but what would you write down if I said, who's your enemy? Do you have a name? Do you have a face? Your first enemy is you. It's just plain and simple. I was going to play a little game. I didn't go through with it, but you know, you've probably seen this routine done with in different ways. And you know, there's a box, and you tell the children, "If you want to see the most wonderful thing in school, come look in this box." And they look in, and they walk away smiling. The next one looks in, and he walks away smiling. It's a mirror. But I could do the same thing and say, do you want to see what your enemy looks like? And had you come look in this box, would you be surprised if you look in there and saw your reflection? Shouldn't be. Because <laughs> you are your own worst enemy. It's, it's you that you have to worry about. Yes, Satan's our enemy and that might have been, that wouldn't be a wrong answer if you wrote that one down. Anybody, how many want to admit you thought of Satan? Okay. How many? <laughs> How many thought of yourself? There's one or two. Okay, I got hope for you. (laughs) But that's the way our mind thinks. Yes, Satan's our enemy. Absolutely. He wants to devour you. But it's our own weaknesses and frailties that, that we're our own enemy. But see, if we recognize that and recognize that person as an enemy, what a wonderful step it is towards God helping you. Because you know you're weak. We don't get our full armor of God on and our sword in hand going out to, well, there's sin over there. I'm going to stop that and I'm going to stop this one or that. Or you're sinful, that kind of thing. That's not the way that it works, but there is an appropriate time to have vengeance. And that's what we're dealing with here in Psalm 109. So Lord, help me. I want to do the best to get through uh, this passage. It's really broken up into a few Areas 1 through 6, uh, 6 through 20, and 20 through 31. But as you take in these words, you should probably look at it and go, Oh my, what is he asking for? And why? And is it okay? Of course, we know it's okay. It's in the Bible. But God put it in there for a reason for us to look at. And to try to imagine and then juxtapose Forgiveness and mercy and calling for vengeance. And there's appropriate time to call for vengeance. The first five verses, David humbly pleads with God that he may be delivered from remorseless enemies. Remorseless. It's... It's not uncommon, even for children. There was three childhood friends. Two girls stabbed the other one nearly to death, left her for dead. 
because of some, I don't even know what it is, slender man thingy, and that was the what told them to do it. And when you, they were interviewed, and you can see uh, parts of this, there's no guilt, no remorse. Oh, we did it because we wanted to. Look at much of the world and how their actions are. Do they have any remorse for wrongdoing? And actually, they don't even think they were wrong. That's the problem. Didn't recognize it. No remorse. No love. No affection. They only love one thing. Themselves. Alright, so I'm trying to set the stage for this because this gets pretty harsh. Verse 1. Hold not thy peace, O God, of my praise. For the mouth of the wicked and the mouth of the deceitful are opened against me, and they have spoken against me with a lying tongue. Just imagine all the things being said about the church today, right now. Anything that you stand up for, they hate it. Actually, that's a good sign. <laughs> Let's us know that followers of God, that we're on the right track if they hate us. They compass me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. What cause is it the U.S. government has against any church? A real church. I'm not going to say that all people in a house today are God's real church. I'll let God sort that out, but you know exactly what I'm saying. They hate it and despise it. They despise you. They fight against us without cause. For my love, they are my adversaries. But I give myself unto prayer. And they have rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. What does that mean? You go try to tell someone. If you continue down this path of abortion, of just pick your any one of these other things that I talked about. You think they're going to respond with love and kindness? They don't. They hate you for trying to love them enough to tell them that they're doing wrong. And that there is a, 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 a time of accountability to God. A time where we have to reconcile things or we're going to be doomed. It's probably the opposite sometimes. We don't tell, we don't have enough courage to tell that person something. That's really showing a lack of love. It's kind of like not disciplining your kid, disciplining your kids. You do that because you love them. The worst thing you can do is just let someone continue to wallow in their sin until death. And yes, we can go down some different roads of uh, election and so on, and, and that's left up to God. But we're supposed to show love and reprove people. Show them those things in a loving way. Not, hey, I'm good. Look at you. You're a sinner. It doesn't work that way. That's the quickest way to turn someone off. But they hate you for trying to tell them. God hates abortion. He hates these evil things in the schools. This, this, uh, causing this self-mutilation and all these other things. It's evil. They will turn on you just like that. Briefly mentioned it yesterday at the at the breakfast the men g gathered uh, for yesterday. What a joy that was. 
I think we're going to do another one sometime in the near future, but do it here where we can really visit. But uh, I forgot how we got off onto the topic, but one of them, we, I mentioned a street preacher, uh, Living Water Ray, Ray Comfort. Comfort. <laughs> I should I should remember that, Comfort. But anyway, there's times that when he is sharing the, the word, which is not my ministry, and I'm just amazed to watch him sometimes how he kind of tangles up the sinner <laughs> in their own words and when they're faced with that that uh, contradiction within themselves some it gets to them you can tell it just breaks them down and i love seeing those but there's also some where they turn evil they flip cigarettes at him they curse him they want to attack him and this happens to a lot of street preachers people will go on the attack and oftentimes the government's behind him. Well, the police, uh, we're gonna, you can't be out here with your bullhorn because you're, you're offending those people over there. Well, good. Maybe we should offend a few people on occasion. Again, that's not my ministry, but I pray for him. The point is, when you confront people with their evil and try to do the right thing and save their souls by sharing the word, be ready for a confrontation. It may not go well. Before you do that with a family member, you better pray a lot. That it's done in the right way. With love. And a true desire. For their salvation. If it's not mixed with the Holy Spirit, you're in trouble already. I've seen people share things out of haughtiness and pride. Somehow they got it right and other people have it wrong. That's not Christianity. <clears throat> We're all weak vessels. We're all empty cups until filled by the Holy Spirit. Empty cups. You don't have a little bit of your own. You have nothing. But when you realize your cup is filled with the Spirit of the Lord, then there's real power there. Power to love and forgive and to share. He's not stopping. Let's go to verse 6 through 20. This uh, section is really filled with prophetic fervor. And it carries him entirely beyond himself. And he denounces or announces judgment upon his foes and the foes of God. Verse 6, Set thou a wicked man over him and let Satan stand at his right hand. Have you ever prayed that about someone? That's pretty harsh stuff there, isn't it? He's not done. When he shall be judged, let him be condemned and let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few and let another take his office. Sounds pretty harsh. Do you want the most evil of politicians to continue in power and live a long life and have more control over you? No. And that's what he's saying. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. 
He's praying for multi-generational curse to be upon him and his offspring. This is all right and good and driven by the Holy Spirit. You just need to understand that. Yes, God is full of mercy and love, but there's a time where God is full of vengeance and anger and wrath. And we want to preserve people from that. That's our goal. But you talk to people in the world, they go, well, you're restricting my freedom. Well, your freedom's going to leave you to death. Eternal death. Not that you're just going to die and go in the grave, and I guess that's what most of them believe. But everyone's going to have to answer to God. And what I realize, I have no answer for Him. I'm a sinner. My only defense is that Jesus loved me. That's it. He's not done. Let His children be continually vagabonds and beg and let them seek their bread also out of their desolate places. This is harsh stuff. And this does not contradict the other parts of the Bible that say, forgive, love thy neighbor as thyself. Let the extortioner catch all that he has and let the stranger spoil his labor. You know, these evil extortioners are going to be extortioned by the other evil extortioners, right? I mean, it's just this thing that keeps going. And he's praying, well, if they're going to be evil and extort people from innocent people, let them be extorted as well. This gets even harsher. Let there be none to extend mercy unto him, neither let there be any to favor his fatherless children. Do you see the magnitude of judgment going on here? And and you could say, well, this is just David's feelings. No, this is God expressing His anger through David to His enemies. Correct? This isn't... David's not the source of this. David is not the source of these words that are uh, spoken in absolute condemnation. He just happens to be the tool or the vessel expressing this. And yes, he he, he was uh, uh, taken advantage of by his enemies. Saul wanted to kill him. And you think, well, David doesn't have any mercy. Really? Why didn't he kill Saul? Could have easily... Easily. He even got to a little bit of trouble for cutting a little bit of his clothing off. Right? He could have killed him. He had the opportunity, but he didn't. He knew that that was God's anointed no matter what kind of evil he was doing. And it wasn't his job to take him out. So don't say that David didn't have mercy. He did. He had a heart after God. He's expressing it here, God's vengeance upon mankind and what the end of those that aren't His is. Are you all with me so far? 13, let His posterity be cut off and the generation following let their name be blotted out. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered with the Lord and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. It's tough stuff. But there is a thing called generational curses. It can go on for several generations. 
Doesn't mean other generations couldn't be saved, but there's an impact of that sin and the transgression and those iniquities require judgment. And sometimes it takes generations for that to pass. Let them be before the Lord continually that He may cut off the memory of them from the earth. It's getting deeper and deeper, isn't it? Don't even want to be remembered anymore. But the fact that that's very biblical in other senses and passages, there will be no memory of those that aren't God's. We're going to be in such bliss and beauty and in the presence of Christ, the sins and tangles of this world and the evil people aren't going to be remembered. There's no need to remember them. What we're going to be saturated with, again, is the glory of the Lord forever. And why? Because that he remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and needy man that he might even slay the broken in heart. This is targeting why he feels this way and what he's saying. Think about the application to some of those that I was talking about. They show no mercy. Is it merciful to to want to allow a child again to make their own choices in life that could drive them to suicide later? But they want to take this malleable young mind and say, well, if you feel that way, do it. It's okay. Nobody should be able to tell you what's wrong or right, what to do, what not to do. They want to restrict your freedom. No, we're trying to save them. Show no mercy. Persecuted the poor. I went through my list there. Just think about what's happening with those that are open border. How dangerous it is for them. The things that are happening. They don't care for them. They're making merchandise so they can have their power. That's all it is. They want to tell you that they care, but they don't. They have another motivation. There's an ulterior motive to everything that they're doing. Continues, as he loved cursing, so let it come unto him, and he delighteth not in blessing, so let it be far from him. That's not saying, saying, saying bad words. It's mean, I curse you, I want these things to come on you, you know, that kind of thing. Bringing evil upon those that do good. With the support of our government now. As he clothed himself with cursing, like as with his garment, so let it come into his bowels like water, like uh, oil into his bones. Let it be unto him as the garment which covereth him, for a girdle wherewith he girded continually. Let this be the reward of mine adversaries from the Lord, and of them that speak evil against my soul. That's what he's talking about. Now, adversaries of David are also adversaries of, somebody say it, God, Christ, the Lord. Yes, they see God as his adversary and anybody that's on God's side, you're also counted as an enemy. Don't think it any differently. This isn't this little wishy-washy thing that we're involved in. We're surrounded that's okay. Greater is he that is us than he that is in the world. I'm just telling you, you need to be prepared for battle. 
You don't get to choose this war. You're in it. We are confident that at least right now in America, we have the freedom to assemble. Not everybody on the globe has that freedom and they're paying the price for it. And oftentimes, uh, uh, Christianity thrives under persecution. Does anybody in here honestly say they're persecuted in America right now? Here, this church, people in this church. I'd say no. Not that there aren't bad things. All these things that I've listed certainly have some impact on us. But it's not there yet. Did we see some of that during early COVID? Oh yeah, they were going into parking lots of people, churches from assembly, but it was okay to go to a casino or this thing or that thing and unmasked and whatever. But we're trying to protect those churchy people. They didn't want to protect. They wanted to control. That's all it really is. So they are God's adversaries and ours. So hold on, we're going to go to 21 in just a second. I want to read something again from Spurgeon. You know, I already know he's my favorite guy. In the 21st through 31st verse, he returns to his communion with God in prayer and praise. The central portion of the psalm in which the difficulty lies must be regarded not as the personal wish of the psalmist in cold blood, but as his prophetic denunciation of such persons as he describes, and emphatically the followers of Satan. Okay, so we've got to get that clear, who he's pointing out. We would all pray for the conversion of our worst enemy, wouldn't we? We should. And David would have done the same, but viewing the adversaries of the Lord and doers of iniquity, and as such, this group being incorrigible, unchangeable. We cannot wish them well. Would you? No. <laughs> oh yeah, you're abortionist. Uh, we want you to change, but we wish you well. That's the absolutely wrong thing to do. Are these ones the one to corrupt our school systems and our kids? They just want to take our children away and destroy them. Do you think I'm going to wish them well in any way, shape, or form? No. I'm their bitter enemy until I see change in a person. And that goes back down to the individual. I'm the bitter enemy of these groups of people that want to annihilate us, pervert everything that's around, and say, well... Call evil good and good evil. That's what they're doing. I, this is just a little more descriptive of them. The gentlest of hearts burn with indignation when they hear of the barbarities to women and children and crafty plots for ruining the innocent, cruel oppression of helpless orphans, and gratuitous ingratitude to the good and gentle this is Spurgeon. This was 130-something years ago. Late 1800s. It's worse now than it was back then. You know, uh, at least back then, there was some sense of goodness with people and respect for God and the churchy people. Now that's gone. But you try to help them. Share the word of the Lord with them. And they will hate you for it. 
Unless the, put a caveat to that. Unless the Holy Spirit has softened their heart and sent you to them to share the word. Be, be conscious of that and open to that. God has changed some vile people. Some kings that just completely turned around. Saul, a murderer. Look what he did with him. Made him the most prolific writer in the New Testament. We're still listening and reading his words today and to apply those to us. So God can do it. Alright, but do thou for me, O God, the Lord, for my name's sake, uh, because thy mercy is good, deliver thou me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I am gone like the shadow when it declineth. I am tossed up and down as the locust. My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh faileth fatness. Highly recommend, by the way, go read Spurgeon on Psalm 109. It's very lengthy. And I can't do justice to the way he explains things. It's very detailed. Probably a ten minute read at most, but it's it's worth it to go see his exposition of these things. I became also a reproach unto them. Well, are you a reproach unto the most of America? Yes. They don't like what you're talking about, what you believe and how you live. I became also a reproach unto them. When they looked upon me, they shake their heads. Help me, O Lord my God, and save me according to thy mercy, that they may know that this is thy hand, that thou, Lord, hast done it. So this wasn't vengeance from David. Let them know that you are the one that brought that uh, vengeance and judgment on them. Just lost my place. I was 27. 28. Let them curse, but bless thou when they arise. Let them be ashamed, but let thy servant rejoice. 29. Let mine adversaries be clothed with shame and let them cover themselves with their own confusion as with a mantle. Well, that brings up a good word, confusion. When you try to listen to these people and make heads or tails of what it is they believe and what they stand for, it's absolutely confusing. It's contradictory. Everything that they do is uh, is full of mistakes and uh, I can't come up with another word as I'm looking for. Contradictions of themselves. It's on display. But confusion. There's only one author of confusion. And that's Satan. Father of lies, wants to confuse, wants to make things so crazy and difficult to understand, you just want to give up. What do I do about this case? I can tell you what David was doing here. He said he was praying, fasting, preparing, getting ready for battle. Does any of this mean that David was not ready to forgive? No. But in the times where they are absolutely opposed to God and that's manifesting itself in all so many ways, he's calling for vengeance. I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude for he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him from those that condemn his soul. So that's what Jesus is doing right now is standing by us for those that want to condemn us. Praise the Lord for that. 
says in 1 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, we're going to go to, uh, well, there's a few here, hold on. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You can write these down, I'm going to go fast on a few. 2 Thessalonians 2.10, and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Again, they hate you for trying to share something that would save them. It's what David was talking about. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There's a lot of perplexing things in that statement, but I think I kind of understand what it means. They're blinded, but at the same time, God can open their eyes. We were all blinded too till God opened your eyes. Okay, go to Second Corinthians chapter two. I'm not gonna make it all the way through. That's okay. I think we'll get enough done to kind of get my point across and hopefully Again, the Holy Spirit's interpreting some of these things in your mind. So you see this contrast between forgiveness and spiritual vengeance, righteous vengeance, which that's hard to do, to have righteous indignation without getting flesh in the way. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave it I in the person of Christ. It's what God wants us to do. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Boy, does Satan have a lot of tools. <laughs> he does. And he knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what to put before you. He knows how to make you stumble or those kinds of things. Put things in your way. Can he really cause you? I said make you, but can he really cause you to do anything? No. But he can make things so confusing and clouded, you're, you're going to make mistakes on occasion. The way to correct that is listen to the Holy Spirit and change your actions or your view, perhaps, of things. But he has many devices. The first battle is, I got my sword in my hand again, right? The sword is the word. The more you know the word, the better you can go to battle, the better you're able to. You see, this sword is not just offensive it's also defensive. Much of the other armor is defensive. You know, your helmet and your shield and your breastplate and, you know, th- that helps from protect you. The, the, uh, common parts of the body that are in the most danger. You know, your organs and so forth. But, uh, that weapon, it's a weapon, but it's used for defense and offense. I'm not ready to grab my weapon and just go out and again point out sin and tell somebody, well, that's wrong. 
you got to do it in the right way. There is a time to go on attack. There is a time to defend. The Holy Spirit will tell you which time it is at present. But forgiveness is one of the other staples. If you don't have forgiveness, you've undermined a lot of your faith. Simple as that. And that does not contradict what David was saying. Oh, well, he lacked forgiveness there in Psalm 109. No, he didn't. He was expressing the the vengeance and hatred of God against sin, which we know he knew of his own sin after it was pointed out to him. Again, 51st Psalm tells you that. We know his devices. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence to Macedonia. Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph. That's a battle word. Are you going to lose? No. You may lose a battle or two. You're not going to lose the war because Christ is fighting it. And maketh uh, manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. We're going to concentrate on that word, savor. A sweet-smelling savor. When we ask for forgiveness of sins, what a sweet-smelling savor that is to the Lord our God. That burning of the uh, the uh, the incense and the the accoutrements of of what was in the. Uh, The temple. And all the things that were there. The sacrifices that were burned. It was a sweet incense. Not because of the sacrifice that was laying there burning. But because of the intent of the people behind it. Offering that sacrifice and wanting forgiveness of sin. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In them that are saved. And in them that perish. This one can be a little tough too. It was for me. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. The... the to some, the gospel. It's sweet. It's a sweet-smelling thing. It's a gospel. It's words of salvation to us. But to others, it's death unto death for them. They don't want to hear it. They object to it. They don't like it. Who are you, again, to try... You think I need salvation? It's death unto death for them. trying to keep in mind time. There's a lot more here from... This is another good one from Spurgeon to, to read. I read some others as well, the commentaries. But I want to go to John 7.7 7 and John 15.8. John 7.7. 7. The world cannot hate you. 
Well, does that contradict what I just said? <laughs> no, it's because he hate, they hate God. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. John fifteen eighteen, just a little bit farther down the road, fifteen eighteen. And you know this. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. What I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is a confrontation that's gone on for 6,000 years and will continue till Jesus comes back. It's not a confrontation that you can really avoid or not ever be exposed to because it's there. You have to be ready for it. You have to suit up and get ready for war. You're already in war. I'll just quote this or read it actually. I'm closing. For we uh, walk in the Lord. Let me just read this. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we have some strongholds to pull down today. Things we're battling against today. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself, itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to obedience to Christ. We're not going to be running around uh, flailing with every wind of doctrine and thing that seems to be good for the moment. We're grounded in the Word of God. But verse 6, and what I'm reading from, I don't know if I actually said it or not. I'll get to it in a second. <laughs> Lost my spot in my paperwork. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. But first, we revenge the disobedience within ourselves. We're the enemy. We take care of that. And then we do our best to follow God from that point forward. But casting down these imaginations... It's gone farther than I ever would have dreamed 10, 20, 30 years ago. See how pathetic and open they are. They're getting bolder by the day. They used to kind of do things in darkness. Oh, now it's right out in the open. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's sickening. But my heart goes out to families with younger children, especially that aren't homeschooled or in, in the secular parts of society where society's doing its best to control them and take them away from you. God help our nation. We need to pray for strength. I guess prayer that prayer of vengeance on those that are in absolute hatred of the Lord. But at the same time, that, that those that are gods, that he would change them and protect them. There are a lot of weak people out there. Some, I don't know whether they're saved or not, and some of these uh, 
preachers that have they have itching ears for the things they want to hear. They don't want to hear the tough things. They don't want to hear these things like David talked in Psalm 109 or what we should do or that we're in absolute warfare. They're walking around in a in confusion and in a stupor. And the Holy Spirit's the only one that can remove those scales and show them the things of wonder and beauty and forgiveness. I pray that we all at the time required would be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to oppose those that oppose God. In Mark it says, don't worry about what you need to say. If they capture you and take you before the the magistrates, the Holy Spirit will give you the things that you need to say. So we can stand back here, oh, I just don't have the strength. I, I couldn't do it. I don't know if I could be that bold. Well, you can't in your flesh. Just get that out of your mind. But the Holy Spirit will give you the power to stand up for those that oppose God. May God bless you this morning. I Probably a poor attempt at some of these difficult topics. But I encourage you to go read some others and commentaries, especially Spurgeon's. That's the one I focused on for 109. But they're complicated things. We're in a world that hates us. And that's okay. It just kind of tells me you must be on the right side if they don't like the, what I'm thinking and doing. And there's that much hatred there that uh, I know who I, I believe. And I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that great day, right? Or against that day. And that's what I am. And I, that's what I hope you are. God loves you and He's going to take care of you. Are things going to get worse? Probably. I don't know. I don't know what the manifestations of this evil flesh is out there. I know where they want to go. And I pray that the Lord doesn't take us there completely or allow that. But if He does, He'll give us the power to survive. May God bless you this morning.